0: It's nigga day, better than Woodstock! MTV News was forced to get off of home base when he thought it was too dangerous. They
1: said too many people were getting
0: hurt. There were 10 people that were taken off site.
1: A lot of people have been talking about these fires, but it was so much more than that. Podcast 99. Day 3 of Woodstock 99, as told by Podcast 99, starts now. I'm Ryan Licton. I'm here with Parks Miller. And yes, today we are starting the third and final day of the Woodstock 99 Music Festival and our coverage of it. So let's, uh, let's just jump right into it. So basically, new stories now are starting to get to the public about how crazy it's actually getting because, you know, the entire world was watching this and they hadn't really seen anything that bad happen. Uh, during Limp Bizkit's set, though... And, and, you know, Kid Rock set with everyone throwing the bottles. But mostly, you know, of course, it's Limp Bizkit set. Everyone saw everyone tearing everything apart to break stuff. And if you had the pay-per-view, it wasn't edited at all. So you got to see them having to shut down the show to tell everyone to mellow out and all that good stuff. Um, so it's, it's becoming clear to the public now that things aren't quite what they might seem on the inside of the festival. Uh, or at least it's not the way that uh, a Woodstock should be going. So this is really where you first start seeing the, the public view of it change a little bit. And this is also when uh, they had the press conferences for all the, all the music press people. And they start asking some serious, hard-hitting questions. Like, why did you book such aggressive bands? Where John shared then re- responds, I don't think we have any aggressive bands. I think some of them lean a little to mo- the more extreme side. But I don't right. think we have anyone that's, you could say, is aggressive, you know, just completely writes that one off. And then you have people really starting to harp on the trash because now is the, it is a complete breakdown of sanitation. There is absolutely no one picking up the trash. There is no place to use the restroom comfortably, at least. Uh, for the, car- the attendees, you know, if you're backstage, none of this stuff happened. You know, we talked to Mike Schreiber of, a uh, spin magazine at the time who said that, you know, he had a great time, you know, lots of water, plenty of food, you know, <laughs> nice bathrooms. He wore flip flops. That's yeah. how like, that's how know, comfortable
0: he was there. I didn't, uh, get to comment on that during our live show, but I was reflecting on it later. I was like, holy shit. This dude has a picture of him wearing flip flops at Woodstock.
1: Yeah. Just casual working Just oh, up in the front work, of the pits. Yeah. That's that's wild. It, yeah, it's, it's amazing. He still has all of his all of his toes. But this is also the day that water now becomes the seven dollar price point. So what started at four has now gone all the way up to seven. So that is absolutely unacceptable. You also are going to start seeing fires being built towards the middle of this day that started in the campgrounds. And eventually, well, we'll get to that when we get there. But and we almost have like a hard reset.
0: At the beginning of day three. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Where it, they took
1: the cartridge out and they blew into it and they put it back right. in.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you're just getting... It's like to this day is the most dynamic by far in right. terms of the lows being just so unevent. There's some of the most uneventful, unmemorable sets that we have. On day three. But also just some, some, of the some most,
1: nice well, stuff. You know what I mean? It was very, very mellow Well, just this mellow, day. sure.
0: Yeah. In terms of energy and intensity, you have some of the most mellow acts on this day. And then you're going to have, while not maybe the craziest... Music, you're going to have some of the most, you know, intense stuff that happens. Right. This is
1: day three of Woodstock. Ninety nine will prove to be the most devastating event in recent music history, despite the fact that the artists that were booked to play on that day were, you know, Willie Nelson, Jewel, uh, Rusted Root. You had, you know, a big push for kind of. Softer stuff that day, like let's let's let everyone chill. We gave you all the really intense stuff on day two. This is going to be kind of the send off, you know. Chili right. Peppers are going to headline, right? And uh, while there are bands like you know Godsmack uh, is going to play and, and Seven, Seven Dust, Dust and yeah, and Megadeth, yeah, uh, who could forget that? Um it, it is dominated by just the idea that no, this is the day to like take it easy, and it's the last day here at Woodstock. Let's all enjoy it. But no one was really ready for that, and and despite their efforts. uh, the whole thing gets crazy, and this is going to be the gnarliest day, not only of the festival, but of the 90s music history for sure. Right. And uh, not even Willie Nelson could stop them, and that is going to be the main focus of today's episode. But, of course, starting off the day, just like every day on the West Stage, we had Spitfire, Spitfire once again. We got we got into them pretty heavy on our day two recap, and uh, I haven't really seen any stories. I mean, I'm sure we'll probably dig one up later and we'll we'll get back to it but i haven't really seen anything about their performance on day three but that started at 11 45 to 12 45 and that was that's spitfire you know still just doing talking about the issues uh that you know as, as just they did. talking about the issues over here just talking about the issues because you know who knows more about the issues than michael kors Then yes <laughs> all right well now we're going to jump over to the E stage where It was supposed to have been opened at 11 a.m. by the Reverend Al Green, which would have been a great set. It would have it would have been comparable to James Brown. They're kind of the same era, different styles of music, but just this like we everyone grew up listening to this kind of music. You know what I mean? It's 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 a staple of of American history, Al Green and James Brown. But Al Green canceled. So we're starting the day an hour, 15 minutes later than we're supposed to at 1215 with the legendary Willie Nelson. Yes,
0: this is great. I'm so pleasantly surprised that... Yeah, I'm Willie smoking Nelson, weed yeah, for like, this episode whoa, about Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson's here. He just gets to be here. and co- Willie Nelson is so... You could say he's pretty timeless. I mean, he's just going to be...
1: He's definitely a, a, a there. A, he's gonna be. He is a folk hero of, yeah. of American pop culture for sure. Uh, he's. He, I mean, we're gonna get into his his background here in a second. But you've heard of Willie Nelson if you're from this country, and maybe if you haven't heard his name, you've definitely heard his song. If not from him, then from someone else singing it, and you might have even seen him in one of the over thirty movies he's been in as well. Yeah. So it's this is a guy who has one of the longest running and most prosperous careers in music history. And he's performing at Woodstock, classic. So a little bit about Willie, though. Let's get into it. He was born in Abbott, Texas in 1933. Of course, everyone knows Willie as being the Austin, Texas guy. Well, that's because when he was retired, he went down to Austin and started playing again because he was so impressed with the vibrant music scene that he got back into it. Now there is a street named after him there. His family can be traced all the way back to the Revolutionary War. One of his ancestors, John Nelson, was a major in the Army, uh, I'm sure, on, on our side. And then uh, his first record came out in 1956. That is way before most of the other performers at Woodstock were even born. That's young. Yeah, and and this was just one of... 23? ...dozens and dozens of of albums. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, again, this is going to begin one of the longest and most prosperous careers in music history. He famously wrote the song Crazy, which was made popular by Patsy Cline. Great song. It's amazing, yeah. And his version is amazing. Anyone that does it is amazing because, you know, they only give the best the ability to record that song. And Willie Nelson was on an episode of Howard Stern recently. We're going to talk about Howard Stern a little later, too, in this episode... But, or not even recently, a few years ago. I dug up like an old one. And um, he said that after Crazy came out, he never had to work again if he didn't want to. Like, he still gets these fucking huge residual checks from, from the song Crazy, from whether it being used in a movie or... Uh, In a commercial or just played all over the world, being bought, you know, the the rights to it, being bought by every karaoke company in the world. Mm -hmm. So that was really his uh, his main hit. But he has so many others. He really doesn't have a bad song uh, in his repertoire. Also, I'm a huge Outlaw Country fan. So just get used to how much I'm going to suck Willie's dick this episode. Willie's Willie, if you will. Uh, he also he, he, he served a short stint in the Air Force, but he left after having back problems, which I'm sure will bring us to the marijuana use later. Uh, Nelson is one of the founding fathers of outlaw country, which was a response to the kind of conservative values and views being pushed on country music in Nashville, which is, of course, the world capital of country music. So him and, and a few others, you know, they, they started Talk, let's talk about whiskey let's, let's 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 party a little bit more uh wait oh you got some cocaine let's do that i'm going to write a song about cocaine i'm going to say it in the song i might use a swear word you know and even though the songs are pretty and they all become these legendary pieces of music history not even just country music they at the time they were seen as really like the bad boys of rock these guys were like the motley crew of the 1950s and 60s and even the 70s i mean until rock stars really be, like became debauchers which i would say as far as public knowledge goes, really starts with the Doors uh, or the Rolling Stones. And then from there, you have, you know, everyone's partying. And you have right. monster rock stars of the 70s. But the outlaw guys you're about the jazz country. guys. Yeah,
0: you're talking about country music. So right. there's a, there was definitely a a much bigger, uh, s- you know, there's a different set of rules going on. And I, I would say... It's a lot more
1: conservative. There's a lot of faith-based stuff. Right. You know what I mean? So I to mean, be that bad boy is a lot more detrimental than to be a rock star and be bad.
0: Well, because, I mean, because rock and roll was definitely you could say, you know, founded on rebellion and kind of doing something that your parents don't like, whereas country just kind of had much more of a history and much more of a down-home... And a conservative, there's there's always been that push, a very strong push of country music to have a very conservative background. It's kind of traditional, staying to your roots. God-fearing. Right, and so for them to be doing that kind of stuff and talking about the seedier side of life, which, you know, to them was reality... Right. And, you know, talking about
1: like, like instead of just like being sad and oh, I miss you, it's I'm going to try and drink this memory away. And then you have songs like, you know, there's a tear in my beer. Right. Things like that. And so you start seeing then then that that, I mean, they changed everything. Willie Nelson, you know, and along with like Johnny Cash and and a few others, he he would later go on to start a group called the Highwaymen. They're incredible. And that was. All other outlaw alumni, Chris Christopherson, Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings, who is arguably one of the most real outlaw outlaw musicians that has ever existed. The guy, if you were to slice up in his belly, cocaine would pour out. I mean, right. like, like a beanie baby full of drugs. Um, and and so, I mean, Johnny Cash, too. I mean, the pill heads. I mean, all right. these guys, they partied so hard.
0: And, and now, you know, that's kind of one of those things that, yes, yeah, singing about like I got too drunk or this or that. That has become its own country cliche because it was right, so yeah. popular and influential that well, it, 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 it was like a complete shift in, in country Well, it's music. like
1: one of the things that we've always talked about with Woodstock 99, and we, we really got into this at the live event, and we're going to put that video up soon on our Patreon, it'll be available for all subscribers on all tiers. So you can literally just send us a dollar one time, and you can watch an hour and a half event where we showed all these clips. We go through the entire festival. Um, but the one theme that we always come back to is you can't replicate real shit. You know what I mean? If someone, if there's like a true, honest message behind something, or it's a real movement that started organically because of the reaction to the things that were going on. And then you try and make like a, a model version of that to, mm-hmm. to sell, right. you get this blown out like frat country stuff that we have nowadays where every song is about beer and it's almost like an ad. Like, I mean, how many fucking new country songs say the word fireball in them? Right. You know, whereas, yeah, back in the day, these guys were truly the outlaws of music and they lived their lives like that. Um, but I'm going to give just an immensely abridged version of willie nelson's career and importance and i'm gonna jump to my favorite fact about him which is in 1990 the irs seized almost all of his assets platinum records instruments memorabilia jewelry weapons you know all all sorts of things that country legends have and they claim that he owed the government upwards of 36 million dollars that's a lot of money it's a lot of money even for a guy that wrote the song crazy And so he, you know, fought against it. And basically what happened was in the 70s and 80s, he had made a bunch of bad investments that flipped on him. Probably he was getting taken advantage of or just made some some bad choices and uh, ended up having to owe the IRS for all of that. His attorney brought it down to 16 million dollars that later got it brought down to six million, which Willie still wasn't happy about. And he wasn't even really active at this time. Musically, he was doing, you know, uh, a couple albums here or there. During this time, he released tons of albums. He released a jazz album. He released a reggae album. He released all sorts of stuff that was getting kind of crapped on by the fucking critics because they're like, this isn't Willie Nelson stuff. But he was just trying to make a quick buck so he could pay off this fucking stupid debt and also started touring relentlessly. And that would bring him all the way to the East Stage at Woodstock 99. And didn't he have a he released an
0: album, though, before we get the IRS tapes? Who will right. buy my memories? Yes. Who will buy my memories? Which is uh, that's just like a fun little cynical thing to call your album, the
1: IRS tapes. Yeah, and he also held like an auction for like his personal shit. It's uh, it's <laughs> it must have sucked. Like that's the thing with like, really, but the one. Well, thing... I guess
0: you're taking the outlaw a step further, trying to live above the law and yeah. the IRS.
1: Yeah, and if there's one thing, don't fuck around
0: with, with the money mo- stuff. With the money.
1: But don't fuck around with money. How the fuck did they catch Al Capone? He fucking didn't pay his taxes with all the people they knew he killed with all the illegal alcohol he was bringing in, which was treated as the harshest drug in the world at the time during prohibition. And they knew all that stuff. He was brazen about it. Doesn't matter because you fuck around with your taxes. That's what they're going to get you for. And it's indisputable. And then way to get pinched. Quickest way to get pinched right to the fucking heater. Or is it the cooler? A heater is a gun. The cooler is prison. I'm still (laughs) talking like this. Um. And he and uh, Al Capone, I I don't, I'm just going to say this and then I'm off Al Capone, I promise. But he died of syphilis in prison. Uh, It drove him crazy. Syphilis can kill you, uh, believe (laughs) it or not, folks. So go and get that shot. Um, So, and also, yeah, Willie Nelson's been in over 30 movies. He was in Half Baked, famously. Uh, One of my favorite roles of his is in the little known Toby Keith vehicle called uh, Beer for My Horses. Where he plays a detective out of work who's too old for this shit, mm. but they have to catch a serial killer that's loose in their small town, and uh, they they sing the song together: "Whiskey for my men and beer for my horses." Right,
0: and so he, yeah, uh, half baked, right? Yeah, he's in half baked. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, most people know it's it's a it's a bit of a joke, but yeah. He was a huge uh, marijuana legalization well, that's the advocate, he, activist. He, he was
1: an activist for a lot of different causes. The main one, though, that he became really known for is the legalization of marijuana. Right. But again, let's put
0: it in a country music background. It's different when you think of, I mean, it's pretty easy to think of, uh, say, jazz or rock. and, you, and Right, or, this rap, heavy or rap, you know. Yeah, Right. But, it, but, I mean, shit, like, rap wasn't, you know, even really a genre when he started right, making yeah. music. It's, it's,
1: it's rumored, folks, that Louis Armstrong may have invented the blunt. Right. Well, I think, didn't Louis
0: Armstrong, he was going to name an album Ganja. Um, <laughs> he loved the stuff. But, again, you don't have... Too many just mega country stars that are like, yo, weed is cool. Because well and because even that the, there's there is this it, right. yeah, there's this whole country music thing and I mean,
1: even within the outlaw country community, weed, you know, was seen as uh, a hippies drug. Right. You know, that you don't we don't do that. We'll do cocaine.
0: I'm I'm we'll sure, shoot off
1: guns in our bus when we're high on pills.
0: I'm sure he had a friend in Billy Joe Shaver who I have justification oh, for yes. talking about during the set, who uh, you know, kinda the uh, the missing outlaw who just he took too many drugs to even they were like his, oh you're a little a, too messed up for he us.
1: was featured on Tales from the Tour Bus right, right. yeah and he, that's a great oh he blew off his finger or something right or cut off his toes. Uh, he, he went, lost some kind of an appendage
0: yeah I mean he he shot someone when he was sixty nine years old like it was like seven or eight years ago <laughs> he said where do you well, want it where uh, do you want uh,
1: it yeah well another great uh, Billy Joe Schaefer story and again folks if you're anything like us and you love hearing about just pop culture history. Check out Mike Judge's Tales from the Tour Bus. It's seriously some of his finest work. But, yeah, in, the, in that particular episode, they are crossing the border into Canada. So they take all their drugs and all their guns, and they put it in a box, and they bury it. And then they mark where they, they put it, and then they go and they play in Canada. And when they come back, none of them could remember where it was. So they spent, like, three hours digging, like, a <laughs> billion holes yeah. in the fucking countryside, and they just gave up, um, which is fucking Christ. hilarious. I mean, this,
0: this is almost a legends episode of Woodstock, except for the fact that it's just that Willie Nelson is a legend. Right. The actual Willie Nelson at Woodstock is not a legend of Woodstock 99, but exactly. we, we are going to spend some time just because there's, there's just so much good hey, stuff about.
1: Yeah. Game. And you know, this, this set seriously, if you're just cleaning your house or whatever, or like if you and your buddies are chilling on the couch or you and your girlfriends are just hanging out and you're like, You know, you guys are fans of the show. Just throw on Willie Nelson at Woodstock 99 because it's nothing you need to pay attention to. It's just a nice soundtrack. Every once in a while, you'll look up and you'll be like, oh, shit, that's funny. But Mm -hmm. it's not like it's just like a good sounding good time. It's Willie fucking Nelson. And everyone there was so excited to see him. But the one thing I want to go back to really quick about marijuana within country, even within the outlaw country, is it really was still demonized. It was seen as something they didn't do, whether because, you know, of the anti government implications or just the kind like the kind of dudes that were doing it. But that's why, like you see country and bluegrass, like that's why like, The Grateful Dead, arguably probably the biggest hippie band ever. Their roots are in country and in in, in right. you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So like all these guys like while they were against weed, all the people smoking weed loved all them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, of course and we'll... Willie Nelson is the perfect blend of both and he has risen to the top. And also mind you, music. Willie's still alive.
0: He's yeah. I mean, he's I,
1: outlived everyone else,
0: right? I mean, I, I saw him with my family, uh, maybe like two thousand five or six, and you know at the time I was, I was using marijuana regularly, uh, but <laughs> but of course I was in high school, so you know there was, uh, my folks didn't know, but I remember uh, my sister. We all went, and uh, we go to the show, great show, uh, but then we just like we smell like heavy clouds coming our way. And uh, I just remember my sister. I mean, she was like 11, and she was just like, "Ew! Like, what is that smell? Like, <laughs> that's not that loud, baby. That's that big gas. Like, genuinely, like, grossed out because you know sometimes it smells like skunks, and that's not the best. You know, it's it's the only the yeah. association of what
1: it does to you okay. that makes it smell good. I've been smoking weed nonstop for like the last <laughs> I don't even know how many fucking years now. And when someone comes into my place of work, my day job. Yeah, uh, because we do this in the deep, dark hours of the night when no one can find us except for (laughs) all of the people that obviously have been listening or took, you know, saw one of our our ads or something. And uh, now all of a sudden there's like four or five different Woodstock 99 podcasts coming out, but none of which have done the extensive research we have done and still have left to do. I'm going to never let this go, but (laughs) (laughs) but it's okay. It's a festival that millions of people watch. There's 400,000 people there. I'm sure we weren't even the first people to have a Woodstock 99 podcast. There was another little known one that has since stopped producing stuff. And what they would do is they would watch the sets one by one, but just record their like live commentary over it, which we have on our Patreon, a couple of those. But, you know, we're we we collect artifacts. Start to finish, baby. Yeah. Start to finish finish, talking to survivors, all all that stuff. But I, I you digress. About, you were talking about your your usage I, I digress yeah so when someone comes into my place of work and they reek like weed i hate it it's and it's, i it's, probably reek of weed yeah like if i can smell it it's like bro keep it fucking cool man right.
0: yeah 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 oh yeah i was uh, i was working and we all took a lunch break and one of the dudes came back and smelled so bad i was like Dude, you got to just like invest in a little, some sort of spray, some axe. I don't know what it is you need to do, but you should cover it up. Yeah. Axe. Just in, oh, just God. No, no that's
1: nothing's worse than fucking a guy that is hot boxed, <laughs> covered in axe. Please dude, that. <laughs> that you, smell might you... rival the Woodstock 99 scent that everyone we've talked to says, I just remember the smell. I remember the smell.
0: Well, regardless, the whole point of my story is that our entire family, we lied to my sister. We didn't tell her <laughs> what the smell was. We just didn't – we didn't let her know because – well, I personally wasn't going to let them know that I knew because I don't think my parents – What is that? Yeah, I had to feign like, oh, it is gross,
1: you know, but (laughs) – smells like my school's bathroom when the bad kids go in. (laughs) Dude, one time I took a a weed pill. This is like – during the wild west days of like southern california dispensaries where anything went and edibles like would either kill you or were just a total bust or would make you like poop yourself because they're all rotten ingredients or whatever no regulation at all and i had bought in this big black pill full of hash oil and my parents were like hey we're going to go to see the dinosaur experience which is like this thing like where they do it in like the biggest arenas in the country and they have these life size animatronic dinosaurs that like fight each other and some of them are like manipulated by people inside and it's a dinosaur experience. So it was like, Oh, I'm gonna take that. I took that pill and nothing really happened. At all, but when at I got first. home, I took a dump and it smelled like I just straight up smoked a blunt in the bathroom. And my dad was like, What is that? Like, everyone was like, "Like What is that? Like, it, do you have weed on you? I thought, I thought you said you don't smoke marijuana. And I was just like, I don't. It was literally my doo doo. It just smelled <laughs> so bad of weed. It was loud. It was that loud gas. Yeah, that doo doo weed. Yeah. All right. So we're, let's right, get into that set our, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we've had our fucking fun. All right, guys. Like, humor us every once in a while. It gets a little crazy talking about Woodstock 99. So. He comes out on stage, Willie Nelson, wearing like New Balance sneakers, you know, like your dad's barbecue yes. sneakers, the meme sneakers.
0: I'm going to say my one of my candidates for best dressed.
1: Absolutely. He Com- dressed for kills. it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: And yeah, the sneakers. He's wearing a, a, Willi- a Willie Nelson T-shirt. He's wearing his own T-shirt. And he'll later
0: off. he will later wear a Willie Nelson bandana. So, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So probably when he started his classic red bandana, he didn't have them. But that's you know a big part of his look, and then at some point, you know, he was smart enough to make right. his own Willie Nelson signature. Yeah, and I'm sure you could buy bandana. them
1: at the merch the merch table. And he also has like a cowboy hat, but it's not it's like a rancher hat. It's not right. like your traditional. It's not like a Mike Ness hat. Right, like this is like a dude trying to keep the sun off the, of him, not is, a guy trying to look cool.
0: I mean, this is just a dude that's been doing it for for so, for so fucking long. long, dude. and, and I, <laughs> I do think that I mean, because it's got a little bit of that like that country slicked up, like you know, just like real sharp. But then he's got these dirty, ratty New Balances, and for him, it just works so well. It worked well. It really is one of the best. He's dressed.
1: probably, and and we'll have to dig into this, and we'll we'll bring it back for our recap probably. But I'm gonna say he's probably the oldest performer next to James Brown. At Close. I mean, this is this is
0: one of the few performances that is just completely not related to 1999 in terms of style or influence. It's like right. It's well, it's just, classic, and this is yeah.
1: This also, I'm gonna say, I think it's pretty safe to say this, so I'm just gonna claim it. We've been talking about it the entire series, and we still have more to go. Award for most '69 vibes, Willie very si- very '69, yeah. I'd say more Let's than say. anyone else. This is the closest anyone there got to being at the original Woodstock. No, he didn't play, right? But that's that's what they were going for. Between
0: him, for you know, between him and George Clinton, I would say. Definitely yeah. one of those two. Yeah,
1: definitely. Oh, it's, yeah, George Clinton. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, man, God, we've been doing this for a long time. He's also right. wearing uh, Steve O glasses, those like orange sunglasses that Steve O oh, would always right. wear in Jackass. Yeah. Yeah, who's doing great, by the way. I don't know if you uh, keep up with Steve O, but doing great. yeah, I hope he's listening out there. Anyways, the crowd extremely mellow, but it is fucking huge. Right. Uh, this is the first act that this is probably the most. I mean, well, j- again, I keep going back to James Brown because just of how long they've been around, their legendary stature. All that stuff. I mean, this is the biggest first act crowd that we've seen ever. It is packed. And it's also, like, very obviously much older people. Mm -hmm. And it makes you wonder, like, where were you all at the rest of this time? But then, you know, you have acts like Mickey Hart and, yeah, Parliament, you know, Funkadelic and stuff like that. So, and, again, James Brown. Yeah, I mean, there's
0: many sides to the story. And obviously we're picking, you know, some of the more juicier bits but i mean i'm sure that there were some older people that kind of is also you, on, you, could, you yeah. could you could jump from you know the more like 69 vibes the entire festival and then probably leave early and not
1: yeah like they probably if saw you're not, dave if Matthews, you're not bruce hornsby if you're not there, a there, there. Yeah. if you're
0: not going to all those those uh you know new metal bands and you've kind of got your mindset i'm gonna go see dave i'm gonna go see willie Maybe you I'll know, go check
1: out the emerging artist tent. Maybe I'll go fly a kite. You know, maybe, maybe I'm I'll, not going to stay up till five a.m.
0: Yeah, yeah, let's you know? come back. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, you just
1: you kind of have your mellow vibe. Well, totally. And also, day three, if there was going to be, if there was a day where some were in, like an older person or someone that was a little more mellow was going to buy a ticket and plan on just going one day, it would have been this day. You were going to have Jewel. We're going to have Elvis Costello. You know what I mean? So it's it's this is the day to come. And, you know, we just had Brian, you know, or we're going to have Brian Setzer Orchestra mm-hmm. c- coming up. I mean, so there's like a, a big market on this day for like 69 vibes or at least a safe space for uh, grown adults who don't want to fucking break stuff and squeeze, you know, and go blind. boobs and go blind, and take ecstasy and right. end up in the med tent. Right. Um, but. You know, it's like, again, it's like, where have all you people been? Because we we're seeing, mm-hmm. you know, so much of the other stuff. And he's got his old ass fucking busted ass guitar trigger. Right. Which he's had. So it's a famous since thing. The, since back back in the day. It's got like a hole
0: in it. And it's all like. It looks
1: like a gunshot. It looks like it saved his up. life one day. And it's like, yeah. you need to play me at every show now. I saved your life. And he
0: has this kind of bizarre guitar strap it's like red white and blue it, i mean it almost looks like it was knitted yeah yeah and it's yeah. really big and it goes around his neck but then it hooks to the bottom of his, of his guitar and it hooks through the actual sound hole which you know if you play guitar usually they're kind of the straps are positioned you know just well, outside of the guitar that's instead why, of going and we're going to get
1: into it that probably all plays into the classic trigger sound right so <laughs>
0: Yeah, I did want to play a clip um because when he comes in, he comes in hot. And again, this is a bit of a clowny moment just to play this clip uh but you you get some of you get some of Willie's hand here.
1: Yeah, well, and mind you, he's been playing music a long fucking time. Right, this right. guy knows how to play guitar. I think there might have been like a oh, we're still kind of like so checking our was sound going on because
0: there's a very if you've seen the Shred's videos, there's totally like an unintended Willie Nelson shreds moment right in the beginning of the set
1: well and also keep in mind that if you remember from our survivor story, when Mike Schreiber told us that backstage on Sunday, there was such a big buzz going around everyone from the biggest rock stars down to the, the guy picking up the trash, which, you know, the only place the trash was getting picked up was backstage (laughs) where everyone was, was so excited. And it was because Willie Nelson's bus was going to arrive. So he didn't get a sound check. So I really think they like got them all hooked up and they have a very simple setup. They have, they're all using small amps, smaller amps than anyone else has used the entire festival, which is kind of crazy. And, um, you, you know it's like so they got there they they, they set up he's probably just kind of joint joint but that's right. what it sounds like but then there's well, other moments where well, let's hear
0: yeah. let's just hear this because it's it's a good example of it real right quick trigger So there you have it. So my theory is, in part, it, it, it sounds it sounds a bit strange. I mean, in part, I think because it's Willie, you know, and so it's his guitar. I think that maybe they're mixing it really high because it's like you I, know. That's what he, I think. And yeah. so it just it has this interesting. I mean, it's it's he's like. I mean, it almost sounds like avant-garde in a weird way because the only thing I can say, and we're not gonna play a ton of clips from this set. But if you do watch the set, there are moments later, because like, it almost sounds like he's, like, off beat or something, but there's moments later where he's so on. Like, he's a, he's a really
1: good yeah, guitar yeah. No, player. He'll, like, there's, like, it goes from, like, noodling to, like, giant, giant Right,
0: like, giant, just, giant, right. And he's giant. so he's so on. Yeah. So, it I don't know, it was just interesting. It's like, I mean, I think a lot of that, that's just kind of, like, his playing. And then this guitar, part of this the trigger is that, and I remember this from when I saw him perform, is that, it's, it's such an old acoustic guitar, but he can somehow get this really intense feedback, like... It just sounds cra- like he just The guitar it's like and this crazy the thing The guitar it just is sounds... beat to shit Yeah and it just it has this really wild sound to it And so I like to kind say it sounds like
1: it. it's drunk Like 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 he stored so <laughs> many drugs In this guitar throughout the years Because keep in mind folks Willie Nelson uh, A couple years after Woodstock 99 His tour bus was busted To the point where the cops took pictures With like all the bounty Because wow. there was so much and it was like a fucking huge ba- Like a turkey bag for like marinating A, f- a whole turkey full of mushrooms and then like three of those full of weed, and it's just like God damn So yeah, I, I feel like the guitar is just like contact high all the time, you know. <laughs> yeah, so it just like sounds that. a little wonky. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's, they open with the song you know Whiskey River. It's you know huge fucking hit. All the songs he's gonna he's gonna play our hits because all of his songs are hits. A lot. But he also does a ton of covers. He does a lot of covers too. And yeah. so it it's really
0: cool for that too, where you can actually you know if you're like just you know getting into the history of it, there's just a lot of it's like a big set, you know.
1: Yeah, no, there's a lot going on there. Again, it's really one of the most uh, worthwhile sets that we've seen. Honestly, like to start off the third day where we know what's going to happen, and we also know all the fucking other sets that we have to watch. Right, like there, it's there's some. We got our work cut out for us. Mm -hmm. This was just such a nice way to ease it, which is why we called this episode a good start to a bad day. Yes. Um, but
0: he he does, and he he does so to bring in Billy Joe Shaver and my explanation for. Allowing myself to right. talk about him is that he covers uh, Billy Joe Shaver's song, I've Been to Georgia on a Fast Train, Okay. which is one of his more, you know, more popular songs. And again, if you just that can be my little plug. If you don't know about Billy Joe Shaver, go look him up. I saw him one time on accident in Atlanta, and it was seriously one of the most incredible country music performances I've ever seen. Uh, but back to Willie.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, all the all the, that's the thing. These guys, they don't they don't really lose it. And even if their voice is kind of cracky or if they can't really play guitar as well as they used to, the stories are such that you're just like in awe. You know it's what I mean? And legends, it adds yeah. a patina to it. Mm-hmm. It adds like a calculated rust that you appreciate. Right. You know, uh, but Willie doesn't really have any of that in the set, except. You know, for his guitar, Trigger. So on the stage, though, the setup, like I said, they're using very tiny amps. They have a full baby grand piano on stage, yes, though, which is impressive. rare to, to see. There's only been a couple bands that have had a, mm-hmm. a full piano on stage. And the drummer is just playing a snare drum. Yep, Paul wow.
0: English. Uh, he's been with Willie forever. There's a song, uh, Me and Paul. Ah. And, uh, yeah, and he actually introduces that song saying, oh, this is Paul English, my drummer. Here's a song we wrote about him. But, yeah, so that's like another just – Classic, like old school country thing, he does is this guy's just playing a snare,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, there's also a bongo guy,
0: right? There, and he kind of He's like the most 90s thing about it. He's got like these giant <laughs> headphones on. I remember at one point he's playing a shaker that is looks like a banana.
1: Oh, God. <laughs> I had one that looked like an avocado. Right. I can't talk shit. Yeah. Uh, and, and like, you know, like we've been saying, all, all these songs are hits. Or if you're a Willie Nelson fan, you're just like, oh, my God, this one. Oh, my God, that one. And yeah. everyone's every time he looks at the crowd or he gives a little wave, he keeps giving these little old man waves like, oh, hi, I right. see you um and, I mean, and sorry folks my voice is going parks and i have been talking non-stop for like the last i don't know what like uh four days straight we did our we've been doing a lot we did our event we did several episodes i'm like dying but so yeah uh,
0: crazy me and paul on the road again i mean whiskey river whiskey river mountain dew i mean these are mm. he's got a bunch of stuff and it, i mean even songs that he's done with other Artists, you know, yeah. major country artists. Well, because at well. one point
1: he, he does a tribute to, to the, the passed away Towns Van Zant, right? who has some of the saddest songs literally ever written in the outlaw country realm mm-hmm. um,
0: Poncho and Lefty. Yeah, 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 he does
1: Poncho and Lefty. Which, which is great. And there are some stage potatoes, but it's mostly older folks who probably work behind the scenes or a little higher up because like, it's just a different vibe. But there is this superstar quality about Willie Nelson and that right. comes across every time he waves at someone in the crowd. The entire place goes fucking apeshit. Right. And like Mike, our survivor, had told us that, yeah, that's how it was backstage, too. Like, it's Willie Nelson. It's Willie like, Nelson. Like, Anthony Kiedis was fucking stoked. He's headlining Woodstock 99. And the janitor was stoked. It's right. Willie Nelson. It's a different thing. And then when he gets off the bus and they see that he's like five four or whatever with a, like new balances on they're just like hmm all right that's Willie. that's really Willie. like everyone goes back to normal <laughs> yeah. yeah which is really funny and he, when he plays you're always on my mind it's like it's one of the most somber moments of, mm-hmm. of the festival it's, it's like everyone's quiet everyone's yeah. quiet and it's it's really it's a far cry from what we've seen so far you know what i mean it's mm-hmm. so it's such another world for, like if you take day 2 out of the equation you have a completely different festival right like it it's wild like if we were going to create like a perfect woodstock we would do like it, it would it would start with day 1 of woodstock 99 cuz you got to still have corn mm-hmm. <laughs> it, you know that, that that'd be the worst uh, you know, or, or as uh, the most intense, and then it would be day three of Woodstock '99, and then maybe the first day of the original Woodstock. Yeah, yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Uh, yeah, and uh, there's lots of Texas flags in the audience. He's, you know, he's a hero Signs for, for
0: Austin. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Everyone loves him there, and uh, the high point of the set is probably when he plays Amazing Grace. Oh yeah, uh, the the whole crowd's with him. And it again, like the, the wind's kind of blowing. He's got his pigtails. He's this legend. It's very 69 vibes. And knowing what we know about what's going to happen within the next 12 hours, it's just like this. Like, you know, the troops are yeah, the hearing sing- the, the trumpet call for the last time. There before. aren't too many
0: sing alongs after this.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Unless it's like burn that shit. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Um, Oh, and at one point the camera zooms in on a girl just ripping like a fucking joint that's like obviously like wet from being sweaty and like sagging. It's like a witch's thumb. And uh, (laughs) she takes a fat pull off of it and puts that piff cloud back in the air. And that's probably the first piff cloud of uh, day three (laughs) there. And uh, but, you know, the set, it uh, pretty much ends without incident. Right. You know? Yeah. It's uh,
0: I mean, honestly, we just wanted to talk about Willie Nelson. In terms of what it does for <laughs> Woodstock, <with> it's, <laughs> you yeah, know. it is but, what it is. It well, is and what also it is.
1: if we didn't do that and we didn't go off on such tangents on this, this particular one, uh, it'd be like 10 minutes long right <laughs> you know yep. and you guys deserve more than that cuz uh i know we've been we've been lacking a little bit all right so here we go we got our emerging artist roundup these are the first acts to play on the emerging artist stage on day 3 of Woodstock 99 this is of course in the airplane hangar where the rave was held until 5:30 in the morning and one thing that we found out and i think we might have, we might have talked about this uh, on the day 2 recap is that the movies that would play in the independent Film channels, movie festival, you know, tent that they had, which was held in another hangar. Those would start at like one in the morning. And then just go on until like four o'clock the next day, and then yeah, stop. Yeah, so even like five or six. R- in the really, really, really bizarre. But uh, and the other hanger, it was of course the emerging artist tent. So up first we have Kirsty Golson. This is like perfect late '90s, like female fronted poetic pop music, as as it was known, poetic pop music. And it's in the vein of like Cheryl Crow, Alanis Morissette. Uh, it even has some like Jewel aspects. It's it's very Lilith Fair, which mm-hmm. we're gonna get into in a whole another thing once we get uh. Once we get around time for Jewel, mm-hmm. but the Lilith Fair was, yeah, it was a traveling tour of a music festival that was all female musicians, prominent female musicians. It was founded by Sarah McLaughlin. And uh, this fits right in with that stuff. Um, and I can only find one album. Uh, I know that now from her Instagram, she works with Animal Shelters and is married, and it seems to be very, very happy. So good for her, and the stuff's not bad. And then we have Mo Lafrin from Cincinnati, Ohio, and she recorded her first album in 1998. Uh, she's opened for a lots of big acts since then, actually, so she actually kind of emerged in her own way. Singer-songwriters are tricky like that. You might not know their names, but they're they're pretty successful. Uh, but she opened for James Taylor Hall and Oates. So she's around and this is just really good, like college chick rock, like 90s. Like, you know, I'm getting into new ideas. I'm starting to read some books I didn't know existed. Like, oh man, like we're going to go to like a keg party tonight. Like what weird plaid miniskirt do I wear with what boots? And like you're listening to this. And uh, again, I like it. It's li- it's very like Lisa Loeb. It's very little Fair. I love that kind of stuff. So I'm into it. Uh, these are actually the best. Emerging artist bands that we've they're tr- had. They're
0: really trying to create like a Sunday
1: vibe. A Sunday vibe. Yeah. And uh, actually, speaking of Sunday, uh, I'll get to this in a second. So the last uh, one in this little area here, which, again, is from the opening of the festival to about, I don't know, uh, two ish, maybe, maybe, maybe one thirty. The Scoldies. Uh and this, this band, they released their first album in 2000, which was called My Pathetic Life. And apparently their singer, Nancy Sirianni. Was berated on the air by Howard Stern because she was once married to and then divorced his longtime co-host, Jackie the Joke Man. I told you we'd get to some more Stern. So that's like kind of how everyone got to know this chick. Like, like word came out like on the Stern show. Like they'd keep saying her name, like, "Oh, we're in fucking music," and they would like make fun of her. And it kind of worked. And so that was
0: why she was called the scold. She was the recipient of the scold. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Right. And uh, before she was just a solo artist, and they they. Trashed her shit so much that people checked it out, and then she ended up at Woodstock '99. Oh, and
0: I know that we had mentioned that, but Willie he he shouts out Howard Stern oh, during yeah, the yeah, set. Yeah, he yeah, says, he "Uh, my friend Howard Stern." So that's the is that the second? Well, I know Kid yeah, Rock we had, did we had it. Kid Rock and um, Willie. I'm for, per- for the, sure those two.
1: Did but people might have Mike Ness. I, I think don't, I think Mike Ness. I
0: don't know if he did. I I think it was at least those two. who Well, who do like a personal Howard's getting show. a lot of love. This is like yeah.
1: prime Howard era. I mean, he's still the king of of media, as they say. But right. uh, this was like when he was becoming the phenom for sure. Mm-hmm. And this band, they sound like kind of like uh, like either of the other two bands really that played. It's again like the female fronted like power pop like kind of. You know, they probably liked punk, but, you know, started writing this kind of more bubblegum stuff, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and and it sounds good. And they sound like the Sundays, the band. The Sundays are often compared to them or like an American version of the Cranberries almost. Um, And that is the Scaldies. And so that concludes day three, part one. Yeah, it's a little little short one. Yeah, you know, know, but uh, it's good. And again, folks. Listen to this episode and then listen to the last part of day three when it comes out. Like, and I feel like if you do them back to back, it's going to be like, yeah. holy fucking shit. What happened? Like we were watching Willie Nelson earlier and now I'm fleeing from my life.
0: We're at the the very just just the start of a giant tidal wave right now. Right. right. You know, right now it's just a. Well, this is the
1: earthquake before the tsunami. Yeah. It's just something in the distance. Right. So we want to uh, do a, 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 just a, a quick thank you to everyone that was involved in our event. Uh, I, I know we, we talked about it on day two, but I wanted to shout out our boys, Meth Syndicate. They run a, uh, it's a, it's an apparel company. It's really, really funny stuff. They made some exclusive Woodstock 99 throwback shirts for the event. And that was great having them there. Uh, I also wanted to give a shout out to DJ Kyle Mabson of selfies, foods, and pets <laughs> on Instagram. Uh, great stuff. he, he also makes, uh, our podcast 99 collages that you see on our page and, uh, all that good stuff. And it
0: was really nice for me to actually, you know, meet these guys in person. So,
1: Yeah. Parks Parks has been here for like 4 days. I think I kind of wore him out, but uh Hey. Could, you, I'm still you, here. We're in the war room. He's he's not wearing a shirt right now. It's so hot in our studio, unfortunately. But we do this for you and also it's kind of a character study into Woodstock 99, like warm beer, like shitty weed, sweating my ass off.
0: You know? And listening to uh listening to some music that I haven't listened to in a very long time. Yeah,
1: you know, getting into getting into Woodstock. So uh, we also want to plug our Patreon real quick, patreon.com slash culturedumps. We're getting ready to put some new episodes up there. And also, if you haven't checked it out yet, we have some commentary tracks, like we did Buck Cherry, for instance, where you can watch it along with us. Uh, almost like we're in the room with you, eating all your food, crapping in your toilet. And uh, we also did, like, the complete timeline of Woodstock 50, which is now incomplete because the story goes on, just to give you guys a quick... Uh, Reminder of where that is. Uh, the a news story came out today that says uh, open for any options. Woodstock Fifty desperately trying to find venue after unanimously all permits have been denied by everyone that they've applied to that's, have a permit from.
0: That's that's really desperate. I mean, that's that's just like when your friend is just like, yeah, I I I, would, I should just have them. I'll, we'll do know, it at Zebulon where I'll, we did our all event. day. I'll just whoever tell them, I'll book it. Fuck but it. you can't just do that with a music festival you can't just yeah we're, we're we'll do whatever
1: yeah we're, op- yeah. we're open to I'm all op- options whatever i gotta do i'll take you can, what you i can, can be
0: open to all options when you and a couple of friends you know trying to figure out what to eat and you want yeah. <laughs> you want to bow out because you know the other two friends are opinionated eh, and they're I'm gonna, open to options whatever. yeah i'm open yeah, to all eh, the Korean options. barbecue that's cool not, yeah, not, 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 <laughs> not when you're trying to plan a f- music festival you can't just say i'm open to all the options yeah, I mean, you can be when what you're saying is that, please, if some sort of patch of grass r- will we'll let <laughs> us be here.
1: if it's like if crazy. a plot
0: of dirt will
1: let Woodstock be here.
0: We're open well, because we're technically supposed to have Miley Cyrus play on our on a dirt spot somewhere.
1: Yeah, oh, it's, it's insane. Um, and just just for reference, folks, we're recording now. This is today uh, is July 17th next month on the 17th, it will be the second day of Woodstock 50. So that's how close we are with them still scrambling to find the stuff with the money still held up. So yeah, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash culture dumps. Thank you guys so much for listening to the premiere podcast. Is Wavy Gravy still alive? Maybe, maybe they
0: should just, you know, they could call it Woodstock 50 (laughs) and they just get Wavy Gravy to do like one set.
1: But he doesn't do his set. He doesn't even play.
0: Well, us just that's all I'm saying. Is it's just going to be him. You just go. You hear him talk. You, all you need is a you just need like a like a low, you know those little parks that are in the middle of a city. Yeah. It's like a yeah, you know, city takes, park. Yeah, yeah just have, wa- have have wavy <laughs> gravy. You know. Oh my
1: god. Yeah, and then we can all eat wavy gravy and uh, you know. Then we'll wave you goodbye, just like we're going to do right now, guys. So (laughs) if you went to, worked at, or played Woodstock 99, please contact us at podcast99official at gmail.com or on our Instagram at podcast99. We'd like to thank Gray Holger of Condredick Sound for all of his technical assistance. I feel like I might have left him off of one, and I am deeply sorry for that, Gray, because I know you have to hear this. All right, guys, we will see you at Woodstock.